Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Never Nothing Podcast. Why we are sad that no one accurately predicted the Arsenal Liverpool game. Yeah, I would love to engage you guys and give out our money, but it seems like no one predicted that, that money that we saw. But tonight is not about Liverpool, it's not about that. Tonight is about the fact whether Steve Bruce is good enough to become Manchester United's manager or not, because these days we don't even know what is good and what is bad anymore. Um, I have Kule in the house with me. Kule, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Yeah, hi guys, and if they, if they are wondering where we are here on the day, not Thursday or Friday, so an emergency, the, the situation called for it. Yeah, the situation called for it because apparently, as soon as Watford were done running riot at Vicarage Road on Saturday evening, at some point I thought the game was 2 1. Then someone said, Oh no, it's not 2 1, it's 3 1. And I said, Oh, okay, it's 3 1. Then another person came and said, No, 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 it's not 3 1, it's 4 1. And I'm like, Ah! 90th minute or 91st minute, someone said it's 2 1. What do you mean by the, the, the um, man you with us who didn't want social to go be very, be very disappointed in Watford because everyone was doing it simple, simple to go. <laughs> and then Watford got too excited and, just, and ruined everything straight away. <laughs> so, what you're saying right now is that Villarreal and Chelsea will be looking at Watford like, no, we shouldn't do things. So, like, 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 you had one job, like, every, everybody shared the same. And you are you and you ordered the win. <laughs> so anyway, let's not even let's not even go back into the win or not the win. It has happened. It, feel, it, feel, it feels like the handwriting has been on the wall for a while. Okay, there's no manager that's why we don't want to sack him. There's no viable replacement. Okay, there's a viable replacement, so we won't sack him. We won't sack him. We don't have anyone to come in. Everything looks like United had no plan to sack him because I don't understand the idea between the idea of okay, um, we're looking for an interim manager. Bokarik is going to be caretaker manager before finding the interim manager. Then after the interim manager, when it gets to the summer, we appoint a, appoint a permanent manager. That means four managers in the space of seven, eight months. Yeah, you can talk, and it's obvious that they don't really know what they do because not just even with the interim manager issue, is that they had an international break to sack Susha. And then they waited. And they had two weeks whereby a new coach will come in training at least getting on ground and they waited the weekend after international break immediately with when whereby whereby they will start playing they will play seven games in eleven days and they said oh yes now let's hack him and you can tell that they didn't plan to like basically the defeat forced their hand. Yeah they had like, no plan. Like the whole thing just feels like okay we don't want to do it. But I know we'll, we'll get back to the issue of replacement or manager who should come in later but I've been following football for a while. I've been watching football for quite some time. I've never seen an, a, a situation whereby a manager gets sacked and decides, okay, you know what, let me give a farewell interview. Lampard is Chelsea's all-time top scorer, one of their greatest players. The minute Roman and Kurt figure out that this is not working, we can do better, we need a better manager in charge, they sacked him and they were like, oh, they thank you for his time, he's welcome here at any point. No one went to Chelsea TV and said, okay, give an 11 minutes interview of someone being emotional or crying. It just feels like the, the entire standards of Manchester United is in the mud. Like, the, 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 the club just seems to be more concerned about, oh, this is how we look, than this is who we are. Yes, and there is being run like a, again, like a PR stunt than a football club if anything and like I said they are still playing into the even, even after they are still playing into the romance of everything like, he's a legend let's bid him farewell and do so, as in, I'm surprised if, if Sosha didn't come out and say your job is to get behind the new manager now and move because <laughs> like, it's incredible 
I don't think he's in a position to come out and be telling anybody that their job is worth. No, the, there are people that will tell you that because I, I remember telling you back in 2019, just before the UPSG miracle and stuff, like they were winning games that time, but I wasn't convinced. I still felt like United needed to be ruthless and decide and go after Poch. Like just move past your social debacle and go after Poch. Yes, he was winning, but there's something called new manager bounce. But you remember you said something about okay, he was winning, the fans were singing his name, that it would have been it wouldn't be fair. But as soon as he got the job, um things went south. Then they stuck with him, they invested, then things went south again at the beginning of that season. Bruno Fernandez came and they changed things. Then after the lockdown again, they got this bounce, they finished third on the final day of the season because of Champions League and social was all boastful and stuff. Then last season, Liverpool obviously played with two hands behind their back because of injuries to some key players and the way they lost from at home at some point. Then since when they look at the team, they won the league. So United finished second and people kept shouting progress, progress, progress. But there was no trophy to show for it. Four semi-finals lost and okay. Then they went ahead this summer again to invest heavily, backed in. Invested again, Varane came in, Ronaldo came in. Even though we'll probably get back to the Ronaldo saga later again. Ronaldo came in and all these things. Then everything has been pointed to the fact that all through that period, you could see that they were, like, they were papering over the cracks, they were patching over these things. And United kept backing him. Then to make matters worse, they gave him a, three, a new three-year contract at some point this summer. Now, you've had to sack him again. Is it, was it that the board was so particular by the idea of, okay, the fans are happy, they like him, let's just keep him there, we don't have any ambitions anymore, or they were hoping and praying, like, okay, he was going to keep learning on the job, because that's what it felt like, like, he was learning on the job. Yeah, I think, ultimately, um, this when especially when Sosha started winning early in the season, it felt like the board thought this earlier uh, stumbled onto success, like, uh, they didn't plan for this, okay, a manager that the fans want, and this is going, let's just go with it, because there was no foresight. I think, and frankly, there has, there has not been foresight from the board since, even when since, even when Fergie was there, because Fergie did a lot of brunt work. I can tell that okay, yes, they don't really have a plan on the pitch, and the whole, um, so, and with the decisions you could tell because one week they play good, they do well, come back from behind the romance and everything, and the fairy tale it happens. Then under with the look at place, they lose again, and. Like the like a content machine keeps spinning. I think, well, we are fine with it. It's not like it's going, it's going that bad, according to them. But ultimately, it's not. As long as they finish in top four, and they keep making money from so so and so partners, they were fine. And or even the, even this second set, they didn't really want to do it because they forced their hand. Like they don't have a plan. But there are people that will tell you that if you are going to stick with Michael Carey for a few games, why not just keep social there for a few games? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you are going to, because, because uh, um, people said that, because you said that on training that social doesn't really take care of training was Carrick, Phelan, and the rest. And if the point is that okay, United look clueless on the pitch due to training, why, why did, why, why get rid of just social? And ultimately, even the man who is not even taking care of training, why not the whole that's staff some, itself? That's something I don't understand. Um. Um, Gabriel Bakotti, the Italian journalist, said something there. There's this, there's this mirage, there's this idea that Fergie didn't used to take training. And he said that Fergie told himself that 
it was when he got older towards the final years at Manchester United whereby his staff was like the same thing they knew what he wanted and Muller still and Kony was that's when they started taking training if you watch the never giving documentary we all saw Fergie taking training at Aberdeen we saw Fergie taking training at Rangers like taking charge of all these things so I don't understand how a social who for some reason um, is learning on the job then shows up and decides you know what I shouldn't be taking training let Kieran McKenna and uh, Michael Carey take training. I'll just oversee it. I'm a big boy manager or something. Like, yeah, how is does that, that work? I think it's that um, the whole romance piece of Fergie. Like, um, it's, it's, uh, okay, Fergie did this way, let this way. Um, or he's not going to pack in his uh, in Fergie's spots because, you know, that's respect. He's causing the boss. He's basically doing the same thing he wants to do. And it's not, that's not how it works. Even, even Fergie didn't do the same thing that we... And that whole um, mantra of... Um, Actually, United stuck with Fergie for four years before he won a trophy. But first mm-hmm. of all, Fergie did stuff with Aberdeen. And second, yes, that's, not a, that's not a reliable plan in the first place. Like, okay, this man, and this man, say people, one manager was failing before in the past and he got good. Let's just wait for this one. It's not a sustainable plan. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do it twice. You can't get it jackpot twice in a row that way. You need to plan. No, now, now the issue is that uh, 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 Man United stuck in their ways. Are they stuck in their own hype of? Oh, don't worry, we're too big to fail for long. At some point, we're going to get it right. At some point, at some point, we're going to get it right. It's eight years already. Then they're obviously not winning the league this season. That makes it nine. Then you bring another manager who will tell you, "I need time." That's probably ten already. So do you just need to wake up and face because I know that they don't have ambition. Like, they don't have... The owners are just fine as long as money comes in. But the reason why United have been successful over the years commercially is because they were successful on the pitch. The meaning that success on the pitch starts to dwindle. Don't you think it will affect the commercial side of things as well? Um. Yes and no. Because ultimately, success on the pitch definitely affects the commercial side. Because that's one of the reasons. Because if they don't finish Champions League, the Adidas... Deal, deal drops everything yeah. but listen that united are still selling nostalgia to people because about a month ago or so um sherinam and the rest and beckham went to china to do something about the 99 regarding the 99 like they're still selling their nostalgia that they're spending money from that team from that something of 22 years ago it's like that's what they're still that's what their model is <clears throat> even up to now and the worry is the manager issue because I said, okay, if uh, we, okay, let's say he gets put let's know him because you know he needs a few years, to, uh, a few years, and needs recruitment, and basically have to revamp part of the squad again. Um, are you not really the the, the, the kind to go? Oh yes, these players are future vision. Let's put it this way. Or are they going to look for a global PR signing again? Because now, speaking about global signing, global PR signing. Um, Paul Manson that works for Sky Sports, former Arsenal player, said, Um, Cristiano Ronaldo is the reason why social failed, and I'm like, I don't agree with that. The idea that he has planned this team, which there wasn't even any plan. The first game against Leeds United, Leeds United were just they dominated the ball, but they were just open, and United ran through them. The subsequent games, United looked like an empty shell, they should have lost at Wolves, they should have been beaten by Southampton before it was even before Ronaldo showed up. They just look like an empty, like an empty shell of themselves. Then Ronaldo showed up, and people are like, "Oh, Ronaldo is the problem. He doesn't press from the front. He doesn't do this." But, but recently, you've had coaches like Gian Piero Gasparini and um, 
what's the name, Carlo Ranieri come out and say, if Ronaldo is the problem, then, what, then they want that kind of problem. Casperini said when they played Man United, they completely dominated United, and Ronaldo scored two goals out of the blue. Like, he just scored two, and they were like, okay, what's going on here? Like, if he if, 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 if offers you that kind of ability. So how is he suddenly the problem whereby, oh, the reason why Man United are struggling is because they bought Ronaldo. He was one of the best players in the world and one of the greatest scorers in the history of football. Like, how do you make that make sense? Um, I would say to an... There are people to that an... came out and said that social was very, very particular. It's not like the board forced the Ronaldo signing on him. They suggested to him and said, hey, it's a possibility. And he was like, yeah, I want it. I want it, blah, blah, blah. And they gave it to him. Yeah, and to, I think to an extent, and the people that say Ronaldo is, okay, say Ronaldo is part of a problem. Like it doesn't press, and if you have Ronaldo, you can't really work the game plan of counter-attacking like you used to do. Actually, but the thing is, if you look at Ronaldo as Real Madrid, Ronaldo needs to press. Then Madrid had the midfield of Casemiro and Cruz. Who would do that exactly. work for him? Even, um, even before we, Casemiro, I remember Ancelotti saying something about people were like attacking Ancelotti when he was manager of Real Madrid. Ronaldo wasn't defending. He said Ronaldo doesn't have to defend. I needed to do other things. And they won and they were so successful. They won Champions League. Yeah, and as you were look, if you, like yeah. if you are if you if you see a superstar player of that age and you want him, surely you have to make plans to accommodate him in the team. You can't just put him in that way just to soft and go because because if you play Ronaldo, Ronaldo won't press. Mason Green will press. Fernandez will press. Then you have a midfield of Fred and <laughs> McTominay who can't press. And again, you can tell that. Yeah, he put Masi to 34 and who doesn't have legs anymore? Like, you can tell that it's obvious he, he can't run anymore. And then you don't have a structure of pressing anyway. Or he's just running around and do whatever he wants. So by, by the time that happens, suddenly your defense gets starts to look isolated. Everybody starts looking looking shambles. And it's one of the reasons why Faran has not looked the same at all. Exactly. Since he joined. So, so, so some of the decisions that have been made... Because when two things can be true, Mourinho needed to go at that point because it was toxic. It was toxic. But Mourinho is still the best manager post Fergie for the club. Those two things can be true. It doesn't have to be oh Mourinho was that blah blah blah. And United fans, some United fans are stuck on the idea of Mourinho even the manager. I remember I don't know if you saw the first post match conference of Social's game, the five one win over Cardiff. And it was like, oh, football is easy when you have great players. That was his first game. Then as soon as the beating came in that season, serious beating came, it was like, and some players, I'll be successful here, but some players, mm, some will, be players will not be. Some players then, will, will exactly. get to be. Exactly. Even then the post-match conference against Watford, it was like, um, sometimes even it's not going for you, it's not going for you. You didn't have to have that much. And like, are you okay? This, this, are you going see, to see that? See, even before I, let me even jump on that for a second. He has this the reason why he did all these interviews and stuff. Like he was talking about the real interviews. He was talking about achievements. He was talking about the, the nights in Paris, um, some funny games that he won. There was no, there's no trophy to show for it. Obviously, we were just talking about the nights in Paris as achievements. He was talking about making friends, meeting people, being liked. I'm like, Feggy never really cared about being liked. If Feggy is your mentor, it's one that you look up to. Feggy never cared about. The staff or the players liking him. This is it. This is what we're going to do. If I'm not doing it this way, away. So it's not about. I'm not, here. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to succeed. Yeah, I think one thing um, social had with him in terms of all those um talking about achievements in the media because he, he had friends in he has friends in the media, mm-hmm. people that would go level for later for him and then and defend and even 
after he was sacked, some people were like, hey, he came to the club with good intentions. I'm sorry, is there a manager who to club that wants to ruin the club? It doesn't make sense now. Like, he's a nice guy. He came to the club with good intentions. Yes, Marco Silva was a nice guy at Everton. This that's not the point. Like, and you can, and you can, and one of the things they keep mentioning is that night in Paris, which is one of the most annoying things I keep hearing because night in Paris was incredibly lucky. You know, they had obviously, you know, they had five shots. The first one was the goal, the second one led to the rebound, which led to the third one, which was the goal, then the fourth one led to the penalty, which was the fifth one, which was the goal, and that was that was what they did. And immediately after that thing happened, people were like, Give me the up on a permanent basis. Like, you can't fluke your way in 38 games in the season, it doesn't work, it has never worked. Now, even after all that drama and they struggled and they kept him, they were like, oh, there's going to be... Because the word they used so much under the social era was DNA, reset, club stature, DNA, club this, I did. Okay, let's bring players in. They wanted to go the British route. Then they paid £50 million pounds to Aaron Wambi, for, to Crystal Palace for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Paid £18 million to Leicester for Harry Maguire. Where you could have found... Better options. You could have gone to Benfica and collected Ruben Diaz for half of that money. You could have easily gone to any other club in the world and bought a right back. Like right back that cost right back that cost that amount of money. Kyle Walker, Joao Cancelo, players that defenders that cost that when you see them play, there's a reason, okay, this guy should cost 50 million. There is no planet where everyone because at that point their the agenda was oh there's, there's, there's this this obvious anti-morial agenda that oh now social has come in we're not going to be buying mercenaries anymore players like lukaku and sanchez can leave they only came here for the money we'll buy players that are committed to the cost how about buying players that are good enough what's the meaning of buying players that are committed yeah and the worst thing is that when when they signed around they said they had 850 right backs on the database <laughs> and, and so wait, and then you went 50 million on the you went basically for the most expensive one like either you are lying or you don't know what you're doing because you can't say you, um, because in th- that was the same season since signed Cancelo. Um, a season, a season, uh, this is that was season before Leicester signed Timo Castanier. And you're telling me that you had 850 right backs on your database and your radar, and then you went for the one who is, whose record is only defensive for 50 million. Now, now there's a situation whereby we don't know who the next manager is going to be. My next manager comes in and says, you know what? Because let's let's face it, I Maguire should not even be wearing the cap. Because, Social has made bad decisions. After buying these players for this ridiculous amount of money, then after a few weeks, the um, Pogba captain for a while, young captain for a while, then the gear captain for a longer period. Then when they started to struggle, the gear called out his teammates and called out everyone in the club again. After they lost to Newcastle, this is not really working. We played blah blah blah. Next thing you know, he lost his captain. He lost the armband, and you give the armband to Maguire because you believe, oh, I bought him for 80 million. He has to become the next Van Dijk. Yeah, he needs to have the kind of impact that Van Dijk has had. And so far, what Van Dijk has gotten away with, I don't think Pogba would have gotten away with half of them. There was the incident in Greece. There was the incident, um, he scored against Abini and started telling the critics to shut up. He was seen partying on Saturday night after the defeat to Watford. Like, he has done some things whereby if Pogba tries... Pogba was criticized for dancing at his brother's wedding. Not when the was the criticized. <laughs> when Mayu lost to Burnley in 2020, Pogba was not in England. He was receiving some medals, and someone called us. You see, this is why uh, this back at came out and said, "This is why Pogba is holding the team down." And he's not even in the picture at all in this place. And <laughs> so, meanwhile, so, 
me why Maguire Maguire can score against Albania. I don't put this here into the critics. Like he gets he gets fucking Albania for God's sake. Like, like how does that even, even Albania is not the problem. We are saying that you played you are playing badly for Man United. Now you are talking about oh I scored against Albania and the critics can shut it. And I'm like and I'm wondering okay now he has seen he has done all these things. So far, the so-called cultural reset signings, the so-called DNA signings have not worked. Then James has gone. Then James came the same summer with Aaron Bissaka and this. He should never have been signed for Man United in the first place. Like, it's not even that. <laughs> no, I, they didn't sign him without a plan. Because why exactly are you signing? Then James' game plan is basically run into space with the ball. And cross the ball. And cross. Then you are signing him for Man United. Where you are going to play against him, like go to sit back. And then James will have to beat a man. Run into half space, create chances. Then okay, then you say okay, Jan James has to go. Then you sign Jadon Sancho for that, and then you don't use him, and you spend eighteen months chasing one player for that role, and then suddenly you don't know how to use him. You know, even of all, of all those signings, mm-hmm. the, the most the most unlucky, like the most ironic one, has to be Donny Van der Beek. Like the signing for forty million after we all it was nominated for the Ballon d'Or in the 2018-2019 season after performances for Ajax and what have you joins Man United in 2020 was part of a Dutch national team played well it gets to Man United if I'm fanatic I'm wondering what was this obsession with McTominay and Fred in every game actually just give me a chance to even come and show then Vanabic was like, okay, I would leave. Then the manager shows up during the summer and says, oh, promises everybody that they will get game time because they're in Champions League, going to rotate. Lingard, you don't have to go. Vanabic, you don't have to go. I have to rotate the squad. Next thing you know, there's no rotation. Vanabic and Lingard are back on the bench. Lingard is posting pictures of, why, of, of himself in the West Ham JC on Instagram. Like, everything just felt shambolic over the last few weeks. Now, Vanabic is the one that scored the final goal that, of the social era. Like... As in, like, like that, that's going to your ops funeral to make sure that he's dead. That kind of thing. <laughs> and, and the crazy thing that with Lingard and Van der Beek in particular, it's like they just, they just play in Man United so that they can ruin their development for a year or two. Because Lingard had a very good season at West Ham. West Ham if yeah. you are joining permanent basis, everything will have changed. Even Sancho saved to an extent, like, this thing is not working, and we are hindering the development. These players are still young; they still have some some growing to do. Then you bring in someone who can, someone who's undercutting them and not even playing them at all. Yeah, because if one thing I don't understand with the United hierarchy, the reason why they are not football people, you would know from their essences. There's Ahmad um, Diallo you bought from um, um, Atalanta's youth team, who would cost upwards of thirty-five million, including add-ons. You bought some of these young, exciting players, like talented players. You bought Sancho, exciting players. And for some reason, you can see that it's not working. Like, there's no structure to bring into these this players into. There's no development. I don't think since Social came into um, Man United as their manager, as a permanent manager, any players improved. People will say, oh, you can see how Luxor, Luxor became Shobato Carlos. I don't think that was about Social. That was just the fact that maybe Mourinho didn't handle Shaw well. Like, Mourinho admitted... Before, during the Euros to talk sports that, okay, maybe he missed that, he missed that particular show incident. Maybe he shouldn't have been screaming at him. Maybe he was the kind of player that needed an arm around his neck, rather around his shoulder rather than being yelled at. So, sure, improved then. Obviously, this season, he hasn't hit the heights of last season. I can't think of any other person. Like, I can't think of any other player that, oh, since social became manager, you can see the obvious development in this guy's growth. No Rashford, Marshall is even, I don't even, sometimes I forget that he's in my United player. Marshall is down the drain. And all the accusations you levied at Mourinho were, oh, 
they're not signing young players to develop, they're not bringing players. Man United have signed Cavani, Varane, Ronaldo, Tom Heaton, established and players above over the age of 28 under social too. So what's the hypocrisy behind it that, oh, yeah, so it's coming to develop your young players. And the worst part is, they said they gave 16 academy players that debut. Go and check the number of minutes those 16 players played. Aside missing Greenwood, who, let's face it, Nicky Bot came out last month and said that the first time Mourinho saw missing Greenwood at the age of 15, he wanted him to train with the first team, but he wasn't allowed at that point in time. Missing Greenwood would play under any manager. He's that talented. So where are the players that are, that are coming in? Because I don't see them. I don't know if any other person out there sees them. Yeah, because if the whole um, DNA thing is hiding behind, it's not, it's not even coming to any fruition at this point. And it's also saying that it's still too long at that job because ultimately this is like a three-year caretaker. You know? This is what it looks like. Like, just a steady for three years until someone else took the job. Because it should have left a long time ago. And all those things he hid behind DNA, the club's history, and everything, it didn't work. It, and and then at some point, it just be like, it just be like everyone was being defensive on his behalf. Then Neville, Sky, journalists, everyone, like, oh, yeah, yes, um, okay, yes, he's not working, but look at what he's doing for the players. It, he was not doing anything for the players. He, was, he even came out last month and said, Rashford should focus on his football and leave yes. off pitch issues. Like, what is that about? Then the club had to come out. He had to come out and deny it later and say, uh, you know what, that's not that they're proud of him. The club had to come out and say they're proud of him. Anyway, now, for my United hierarchy, moving forward, because I don't really know how they move forward. They have a structure that sees Edward Ward is supposed to, has resigned since April, but was supposed to leave in December. Now, there are rumours that he's going to stay on beyond December to help with a new manager. If a, if a chief executive is leaving the club, he shouldn't be appointing another manager. Like, he should I not that's, be is, is that, It is that simple. <laughs> but he has no say in the future again. He's not going to be back uh, exactly. to that future. Why is, it, why is he making decisions? It's for God's sake. And it's a part of the new managerial process. You said, okay, you, you have a new technical director in Darren Fletcher, who is obviously very inexperienced in the role. You have a John Motto as your sporting director, obviously under inexperienced person. Now, there's, there's even the disappointment that a club as big as Man United cannot say, okay, this is the manager we want, let's go after him. There's just this noise of, oh, managers we want are not available. So let's appoint a caretaker now, then an interim, then come this summer, we'll look for a manager. Maybe you should just call Steve Bruce. Then I think I'm one and both people to death. I mean, yeah, I think, I think he also knows the club and he has the DNA and he said he can stabilize because, <laughs> because I st- it's still baffling why you are getting an interim for an interim like, it doesn't work that way it has never worked that way at any point anybody like it's not like there's a rule that says you must get an interim or do something and so again and the whole and the whole issue of um, John Motor and Fletcher in particular of Yes, it's ultimately the DNA. And now the problem is now they have to do something like actual work. Like, okay, yes, that's a recruitment of a manager. And now there's nothing, for, <laughs> there's no qualifications for to justify having them in that position anymore. <laughs> so before they were just there on vibes of, oh, everything is all rosy now. Hey, you, technical director, you, sporting director. So let's just see how it goes. Now, because obviously it's the job of a sporting director to come out and get a list of. Potential managers that go to the according to the club's plan because I remember when um, um the technical director of Brighton, trying to remember his name now. This is from Dan Dan Ashworth, trying to remember his name now. Since Dan Ashworth, yeah. Too. When he appointed Graham Potter, 
the first thing he said was, oh, the average lifespan of a family one guy is 14 months these days. But we wanted, the reason why I put it for that, because I think you and I both, I, till, till date, I still believe that um, pre-shooting was treated unfairly by Brighton. But they wanted to go in a different direction. I could see why. It was like, okay, we have an identity. I, I didn't even know who Graham Potter was. They went all the well, as far as um, yeah, they had Sweden. worked in Ghana. He was coaching in Sweden. He had worked in Australia at some point. They went as far as Sweden to appoint a manager. And they were like, oh, this is our philosophy. This is the manager. That's what technical directors and sporting directors do. They go, um, go through a list of managers, interview them, talk to them, then go back to the board and the other senior directors at the club and say, okay, this is it. This is the manager that I feel best, um, how do I put it, can implement our philosophy. Obviously, even... Aston Villa at some point woke up and said, we want Steven Gerrard. We'll pay. We'll pay the compensation. Let's get Steven Gerrard. Yeah, we'll and... Steven Gerrard. So why is, this, why is this thing about my United is okay? Let's just wait. What if, what if your manager you're waiting for doesn't get available in the summer? Are you going to wait yeah. till next, next year again? Yeah. And the worst thing with this person there is like, it's like a team like Brentford now. They saw what they wanted to do with Thomas Frank. Like, okay, yes. Mm-hmm. It does this way. United don't have a philosophy of... That they want a manager to implement, because even even before getting such that the you can the appointments have been contradictory over from time. Um, oh, they yes. brought more yes because you know you. maybe it's not the best thing. They brought Van Gaal. Hey, then the disciplinary had to change the whole system. It didn't work. They brought Mourinho because he's a proven winner. Worked for a field. Brought Sosa because we um, revamped the dressing room and he loves the club. Well, that those are not definitive plans. It has never worked like that before. Okay, I think we're all in the house now. Uh-uh. Okay, uh, Mr. Polish, uh, I heard last week that you gave money to David too. I mean... <laughs> last week? Like you gave money to David. I think David didn't borrow, you sent one million or so. David, David, I podcast listeners, please do not pay attention to Pule. In case you need my answer to send money, I will announce my answer. Please stay tuned. But I just uh, hello guys, that's just a um, bullish breaking a, a bit of commentary living to the room. Um, so Kuli, guys, like my next point now is you sacked Sosha. The first rumor that came out was um Joe Glazer says go and get Zidane by all costs. Yes, Zidane won three Champions League, two league titles, everything in five years and stuff like that. But Zidane's biggest selling point, the reason why I feel United as a structure as field is Zidane's biggest selling point was was a good man manager. He knew how to get the best out of his players that he had and what have you. Tactically, he's not on the same level as Conte, Tuku, Club, or Pep, or those guys. Tactically, he's not there yet. And you're, you're a team that is trying to create or build an identity or build something. But as Zidane wants the job or not, which at this point he obviously doesn't want, you should not wake up in the morning and be thinking, oh, let's go and get Zidane because he has won trophies. You would do the same dance that you did with Mourinho and previous managers, and it will come to an end again. Yeah, and... Again, the you can't even say the point of you have to get Zidane because he's a man manager because that's what you said with social in the first place. Like yes, he go to keep the dressing room happy, so, so, so it's not going to cause um, problems with the board. Then you are bringing you can't bring you can't even bring in Zidane at this point and say yes you can't because you can't manage your way. 
against clubs, against teams that have tactical and coherent plans in the first place. Because this isn't can work with knockouts. Because if you have personalities in the squad that can <clears throat> uplift teams in moments, it will definitely work. <clears throat> For my United, it can't really work that way because especially the situation they are very down at this point. Because you can't, you need, you need someone to implement the structure. Like, okay, yes, we want to play this way, we want to play this way, we want to move this way, we want to move that. You can't. You can't move someone that will just sit back here and tell them, yeah, do your thing. Because they've been doing their thing for the past three years, you know, and it didn't work. Um, um, Bolish, I just have one question. Because obviously everyone has, everyone and our grandfathers know that Pochettino is favorite. My United have wanted Pochettino since 2019 before they even get social the job and what have you, like Pochettino. So why would, now woke up this morning and there are rumors that Pochettino doesn't even mind, leave, forget about the end of the season, Pochettino doesn't mind leaving PSG next month, like as early as next week or next month to go and take a job like Man United. Why would Pochettino leave Messi, Neymar and Mbappe and decide, okay, I'm going to go and build up something at Old Trafford? Is it job security? Is it the idea of the challenge? Is it Man United fan when he was growing up? Like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because since the rumor broke, nobody from the Pochettino camp has come out to say, oh, no, it's, it's not true. We don't want to leave PSG. So, I think probably... Um, I think job stability might be one of the main reasons. So because it, it, it's looking, it will be a case of looking at a window. Now, what that window? What's that window? For Pochettino, with the squad that PSG has assembled, his Champions League boss. That's his yeah. high, high pressure for someone that, that has barely won anything in his career. So having opportunity to now go to a club who are currently, you know. Yeah, they have expectations, but okay, but, but, but no matter the manager that comes in next, no one is going to say your expectation for United is Champions League or bust, considering where they are currently. Yeah, they expect you to you know play good football, attack, and all that stuff, but no one is going to expect you to like you know, win the league immediately. There's that there's that room to grow, sort sort of kind like the leeway he had in Tottenham at some point where he could not actually assemble a crop of talented guys, you know, work with them, grow with them, stuff like that. Now, that would be actually silly of him to, if, if the rumors are true anyway, because these are still rumors. There's no, like, official communication mm-hmm. from both parties. But if these rumors are true, it would be silly because you have very few times in history where you have opportunity to work with talented, a talented squad like this, where you can actually, you know, your main task is actually managing egos, you know, managing, um, you know, some maybe decent, the, 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 um, the your tactical details. It's not as if you are going to be you are going to be lacking execution. You are not lacking people that can execute some of the plans you want for the team. So it will be it will be it will be silly for him to leave. But I think it will just be a case of job stability. And Man United has shown that even if we have only mediocrity, if only can three years, then Poch can probably get a five year contract. You know? Yes, now and then imagine it, uh, what happens if Poch does something like maybe win Carabao Cup or FA Cup. He's probably going to get like seven years because it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, so that, that... Um, um, so one of the things that amazes me the most is I have fully, I have followed, like at least we've, we've all seen Eric Ten Hag since he became manager of Ajax. Yeah, what he has done with Ajax, that 2019 Champions League run, they've won, they've dominated the Dutch league, they played an exciting brand of football, and what have you. So many clubs have caught him over the past. Even Newcastle one thing, he was like, why would I go to Newcastle? But on Sunday after their game, he didn't deny the idea of, of even wanting the United challenge. Even Van Avert was like, Van Avert was quoted saying, sure, if my United approach him, 
you're going to get the job. Then, as my United as a club, why not go? Can you pick your bags? Call Ten Hag's agent or call Van der Sar, who is the person direct, who is um, director of chief executive at Ajax, I beg your pardon, and say, okay, we would like to talk to Ten Hag or something. Why this merry go round of, oh, Karik is a caretaker, then we bring an interim, then we go in like, like it, just, it just feels shambolic. Yeah, I think they're still hiding behind um, manager, manager mediocrity, the United board. Because after Sosha was sacked, then Leak started coming in that he wasn't doing this in training well. Players are not really responding. And if you bring in someone like the Hag and it doesn't work, people will go like, okay, yes, Sosha was a problem, but the board is also not solving anything. So I feel like they're in a tricky situation in that regard. So I won't be surprised if so if Carrick wins four in a round, they say, okay, you're going to be the internet in the end of the season. And then you start hearing rumors that you'll get the permanent job. Because <laughs> they're going to hide behind that one, is really, really. But legend Rooney yeah, is uh, free. Rooney and Demi are going to Ligue 1. So let's even forget <laughs> Rooney. If you want to call it Rooney, might as well call Steve Bruce. See, okay, I just I know that Brendan Rogers has the Liverpool connection and Leicester not really doing well this season. So like but one thing I've always believed in football is that there's never scarcity of managers. You can go and push managers. Real Madrid went to Everton. As I don't think we need it. I left like a thief in the middle of the night. Everything fans complain and say it doesn't have class. Mm, I'm gone. Thank you very much. <laughs> Rangers fans insulted Gerard. Mm, he couldn't care less. He's gone. So, Bolish, imagine if you were like the sporting director or like the director of my United, director of Football United now, and you had to pick a manager for them. Who would you look at and say, okay, this is the guy for me? Like, let's go and get this guy. Uh, so, you know, you need to first understand. To answer this question, maybe like a comment regarding the last the last statement you made. You need to look at who are people in doing the uh, recruitment. Who are people sitting down to discuss recruitment? What I mean by that is that in um, Man City, for example, you have Sikibekistan, Ferran Soriano, you know, you have those guys that are the ones sitting down and doing like a long-term planning. I won't be shocked if Man City even have already have a replacement. You know, Guadalajara said he's leaving, I think, at the end of next season or something like that. If they are able to even get a better manager middle of the season, next season, before even United is able to appoint a manager because of the kind of people sitting down, you know, people who are not, you know, who have experience with, you know, building teams and who are not about the noise. Come down to United, who are the guys in charge of this recruitment? Fletcher, Look for banker, that's also sitting in the bank and collecting uh, deposits, deposit teller cash. Woodward. So the antecedents, the kind of um, structure they have in place, which is what everyone has been saying from the onset, even before you signed um, Ole, even after sacking Ole, even during the time of signing Mourinho, sacking Mourinho, what is the structure in place? The football has gone away from the era of uh, Yavon Ferguson is the alpha and omega of everything. No one else okay. knows what is going on. Everything. Okay. I was reading some of the reports even coming out from Barcelona. And I was shocked and I was now, I was a bit more now, I could understand why Kuman was feeling. Football has gone beyond the era of one person just sit down, looks at one person and say, ah, I like him. No, no. There are different, there are better ways to make decisions. There are metrics people use. They, are, they look at the way people set up their team and so like that. So that is one. So if I am the one to recruit a coach for United, I think among all the 
possibilities that are available. That's the ones that they can poach that is available. I think they have is closest in terms of how we set sets up his team, how we, you know, you know, how they play, what United is trying to get to, you know. You can say this is how they play. And that's something I, I, I was telling someone on my way home today. You could not say for three years of Ole as manager that this is how they play. They did not have any so way of playing. They, 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 know, they, like, like, cannot, they can't say they didn't know what to do with the ball. You could not pick out and say, ah, okay, be United, you might play Lele on that Ole. You can't say it. And that's one thing you need. That identity that, okay, come break on, son. This is how we play. Okay, when things change, we can trick from time to time. But our method of playing football, this is how we play. When you know this is how you play, you can now start getting the proper recruitment in terms of players to fit how you play. So you need a, ma- a manager that will come in and in the first couple of months can start implementing that, okay, this is how I want to set up my team. This is how I want to play. And I think among the ones that are available, I would have said you should go and, you know, maybe rob Man City for Pep. Because obviously, they have talent in their squad. It's just, it's funny when I see some people, you know, because they spent a lot. Yes, not the obviously. best of talent. Yes, some players are being played out of position. Yes, you know, they might need to bring in one or two guys, but their, their, their squad does not lack talent. Yes, maybe their squad lacks motivation. Maybe they are not as disciplined as they should be, but talent is not their problem. So, Tenhag looks like a, like a, someone that they can get because it's Ajax... You know, they have an issue with the sporting director, they can, you know, liaise with him. And I think he would relish the opportunity to go from a... I, 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 was, hope, I was thinking if Javi was not coming to Barcelona, I was thinking they would go for him. But if Javi was going to come, then uh, obviously, Tenag will not, will not be able to come. So, man, you should not even be playing and be talking about this things rubbish that they're talking. They should go okay. ahead strong, talk to Ayas. Okay, we'll pay his fee. I might be transferring in Kenkovici, get him, and then give him the opportunity to now start building out a proper managerial team that will now set up the team the way they play. When you see what they are interpreting on the pitch, then you can now start recruiting properly. So that means you don't buy the idea of waiting for the end of the season. Just go and get him now and go and get him now, Bolish. Like, just go and get him now. Don't wait until the summer or something. Go and pay his release clause. What are you waiting for? <laughs> see, you see, I said we want to deceive ourselves. There's a reason why, even till now, the 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 Man United franchise is what what it's what. There's a reason why, even till now, even with their poor, they've not won the league in nine years. They still have their fan base. There's a reason. See, I said we want to deceive boys in Europe. We can. I said we want to deceive ourselves. We know they are big boys in Europe. And the truth is, someone like Tenag will know that ah, my philosophies, my ideas. If I have some proper talent, I can execute better with them and I can have more chances of success with these guys. Yes, Ajax will do fanciful things, but they will get to a point where most of those players, they don't, they, 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 the experience can be a problem for them, which was one of the problems they had against Real Madrid. So, so yeah. that is something that can, you know, that can come into play, that can affect them. So I, 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 I just feel like, go now. If, even if he's not going to come now, Go and get that pre-agreement. That guy, we want you come. Let's have an agreement now that they are going to come. Okay, at the end of the season, the way Bayern, um, Man City, and uh, Bayern and Pep had that agreement. That okay, guy, you come. Okay, yes, agree, confirm you are coming. 
then you can now you can even like once you have that agreement, you can make pruning come and you know <laughs> post course. Yeah. You should come and replicate this old damn FC uh, record in mind. Anyway, what to do? Um, you are good to go. Um, Kule, is is Brendan Rogers' history like his history of being a Liverpool manager? Would that count against him in the hunt for this job? Because I know that he has said so many things that like he's trying to focus on Leicester at this point. But managing my United is a challenge and it's something that you probably look forward to. But with some part of the board or some fans look at it and say, oh, this is a former Liverpool manager. We should not be touching this. I think some part of the board might, especially if the board wants to do the continue the line of let's appease fans. In terms of, yes, we don't want to bring in someone who's good, one of our enemies in, in the past. I actually think the biggest um, minus for Rogers is how Leicester season have gone. Because they look so disorganized, and they don't have in the next one. They said look a bit like United. They don't have they don't have a plan in attack and in defense. So I think that's a bigger problem than whether or not it's managed um, Liverpool in the past or not. So I I don't think the, I I don't I don't even think he's the one for the job at this point. I, I I'm not I don't think United will go for him anyway. So who would you rather? Who do you think is the man for the job for them? I I I was in three years. I still, I still think it's Pochettino. If they could get projection from PSG, I still think in terms of, especially in, in terms of what projection has done, and then you can tell that okay, this this manager can do better with a better budget. Like it's obvious. Like if you if you create a structure for projections to thrive, you imagine the link four years time or three years time, because it's it's actually very possible. And I feel I feel like it should be him. Maybe Ten Hag is a good shout as well, but I can't I can't really look past projection. Because it can before, also give you longevity. And before we run through um the football, football leagues in Europe, because obviously international football is gone, we have to football to look forward to. Um, was this ever-ending rumor that General Troy is definitely going to be sacked this week, knowing fully well that the Nations Cup in January? I, I, I honestly don't understand because I've been hearing it since after the final group game against Liberia. They probably, they probably like they probably said they're going to sack him like 10 times and change their mind again because it's very very bizarre and now they say the, um, their choice might be Mlali and Kristaich if if Roy sacked and the, fact, the fact that A Kristaich did not do well in Serbia at the World Cup B mm-hmm. if Kristaich comes the first game will be the Nations Cup the first match in the group stage but there's no time there's no time to prepare or do anything else so why are you getting to the manager now if, like, if you, you saw that him if he feels like, if he goes to the show's cup now and gets eliminated in the group stage because of lack of plan, lack of time, how do you appease the fans that, oh, don't worry, it will get us to the World Cup when the players begin in the match? And you can, I, I think you can tell that there's no structure because, okay, but let's say he fails now, then, okay, for the World Cup, are you going to get another person? And if that person fails, what happens there again? Like, you're just stopping and changing money, and you aren't, you're not even paying them yet. <laughs> they, are, they are owing the money just as if they are going to accruing severance payments against them. There is no plan here. These people don't know what they are doing. Well, um, I don't know what Bolish thinks about the old Nigerian drama. I don't know if he's fed up of General Trump because one thing I've noticed is that what General Trump's record shows he has won 55% of the games he has managed for Nigeria. And the obvious difference for me than any other manager in the history of Nigerian football for General, with General Troy is since he came in, we've never had to do this calculator thing that we used to do. Whereby we'll carry calculator and start calculating for qualify for any major tournament and be like, ah, if Tamedu beats Lagbaja, then we will score four goals. We will definitely qualify. If not, we won't qualify. Like, 
so far he has qualified for all the major tournaments that he was supposed to qualify for. To be honest, and to be very, very honest, as 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 well as many other things that concerns Nigeria, I've not been I I I have not been uh, what what what's the word down to you? I'm not sure I I, I even know the face of Genaro as a because the truth is I, I, I think I lost interest in after one like about two years or three years ago when South Africa came you know to our backyard aside treating us like a uh, their, we are their babe you know they started, they started attacking us you know you no know, just doing anyhow and no no more no respect no they just like like we are slave and master so I, I, I see. I understand that uh, Benarra have been performing. The only problem I have, I probably have with it, is that if you want to take a decision like this, you should have made up your mind. Whatever it is you are seeing now, that's making you take decision now, you should have seen it like three, four months ago, and taking that decision then, so that you get new manager to come and prepare and everything. But in usual NFL fashion, regardless of who is at the aim of affairs, they must I mean, and they must give like cows. So I think it's obviously a wrong move. It's, it's obviously a wrong move to actually fire the manager at this point in time. But I'm, I, will I be? Will I say I'm shocked? No, I'm not. And do I, do uh, I really want care? To... Now I had one more last event. Do I really care? <laughs> I, I think one other thing that bothers me is that I feel like um, MFF oversells Nigeria stature as a football team. Like first of all, we are not that good because. There were times like in 2018 they were like, they up because they didn't qualify for the Russell World Cup. They are not better than Argentina or Croatia. Let's not lie to ourselves yet, first of all. Because I don't know what, okay, if you get rid of, you know, what, are we, what is that are we upgrading to? Because we got to the <laughs> semi-final. We are not going to do anything else. That is our ceiling. So I don't understand the whole issue of, uh, let's do something else and let's get, because once that happens now, I got to get one manager and say, we like his philosophy then. Two years down, like, we are calculating African qualifiers, and you gain a bit of Victoria gain it more. We can qualify a good difference. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, anyway, I think Akin joined at some point. I don't know if he's still with us. Like, yeah, I I'm still, I'm still with you guys for the next two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. oh, I mean, he's a, a naturally busy it. man. We understand, we understand his flight and his business. Yeah. It seems like the Panthers won this weekend. Atleta for life. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wow, you like please. <laughs> I just want to believe it is real. I mean, it has to be like It has to be dream. It dream, please, Edjo. It's what I said. It's what for I blame for this. Everybody in Nora, everybody in Nora, one jet, 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 must see. No, no, yeah, no, I mean, no, 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 it's farewell interview. It's farewell interview. I mean, I feel so. It was absolutely ludicrous. I don't think I've ever seen so, such nonsense in my entire life before. Because it's just oh, pure yeah, nonsense. Yeah. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> um. Anyway, down to other leagues in Europe. Uh, Bolich, Xavi had his first game. And, and as predicted by a lot of people in the Spanish media, there were a lot of young players on show. And uh, for those that don't know, I play football manager. No, I don't. I won't say a lot. That was back in the events, but I still play football manager. And Elias Akomak is a player. I've seen since the last manager. It's like his stats are always crazy. So to see him start the first game against 
Espanol, like it was baby day and he started on the right side and Xavi just gave me the confidence to go. I was like, okay, who knows? Maybe this might work on the long term. Uh, well, I think to be to to be to put context to it, actually, there are so many injuries in the squad right now. So I I don't think Javi is just trying to unnecessarily be. He's just he's trying to be unnecessarily audacious. No, I don't. Yeah, think but please, he didn't play right back think, in the right midfield. In right midfield, like Coman would do. Like yeah, so just gonna play right wing. And also, he didn't come out and say, "Hey, this squad is rubbish. I cannot use anybody here." Who, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think, that, see, that's one of the biggest problems with Coman because. I will see teams of poorer, like, you know, players, and their manager doesn't come to the press conference every day to say, ah, that's all we can do now. That's the players I have now. That's the players I have now. I've seen, I, 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 because when we assess our team, yes, we have problems maybe in defense, maybe up front, you know, we have a lot of injuries. Aguero is, you know, not playing. Braithwaite's not playing. Um, we have one person that is the young that they brought from, like, I don't know whether it's a farmer or whatever. So, we have that problem. But, there still comes something that involves coaching, motivating your players, providing structure for them to succeed, just even putting in the effort. But when every press conference, your coach is coming out to say, well, this is what we can do. Got a lesson here, got a rain here, got a ven here, got a coach here. Then what's the what's the motivation to come out and play well or play better in the next game? And that, at the beginning of the, of his tenure, he said he would try as much as possible to open his eyes and give everybody opportunity. So there is not a case of where we had before where about four or five players because even if they should turn to prime C Ronaldo or prime Messi. Because all managers has already told them that he will not play them. So even if in training a day before, they score two free kick back to back, they score dribble three people, whatever, he's not going to play them. So if you have that kind of case, what that means is that you're that, that's even a unnecessarily toxic environment. So the fact that I said, okay, I'll give everybody an opportunity to showcase what they can do for the team before making any decision for each and every one of them. That's an open, uh, you know, that's a, you know, a, a open way to catch it. So I think it's the case for. I know Xavi will do well because it's not as if. Let me interrupt you. Um, let me interrupt you, Boris. Okay. Um, um, it, when he came in, there was these rules that he released, like these 10 rules. You must come, I think, 30 minutes or an hour late before training. You're not allowed to eat this. You're supposed to behave yourself well, like trying to set new standards and what have you. Obviously, like. Is Xavi a new manager than younger players in Barcelona? For the older players, are you sure? Like, how long can this identity, this rules last for? Like, okay, I think Dembele has already flouted one of those rules or so, and he has been fined already. And I'm like, mm, typical Dembele fashion. So, like, this rules, I, I know he's trying to like create a new culture, like the way he saw Barcelona when he was there and stuff. But do you think this is something that can work whereby they are coming to implement new rules of players coming to training at least okay. one hour, thirty minutes early? And I'll, like I'll give you, I'll give you a premise to answer your question. So, Guardiola came in, and the first press conference or first discussion a couple of weeks into his job, he said, Ronaldo, Deco, Eto, I don't need them at all. Remind you. The president at that time was this same Laporta that is there now. What that means is that Laporta, if you see that, okay, you kind of have the right direction or you have the right mindset and you can explain what you're trying to do, Laputa will support you. So the truth is, 
the other players that might be problem to the squad as it stands now maybe we don't because we don't really have too many older players to be honest mm-hmm. maybe Jordi Alba Pique Sergio Busquets but the truth is the nature sort of kind of of those players most of them are La Masia you know they, they are kind of in the same fool and except they are blind deaf and dumb and stupid they cannot say that the last method the way things were before was okay like the way things were before was good enough for the team so they they can understand why a new manager will need to implement this thing. And the reason why I think it will last is that there are, there have been you know different interviews even before now about how stern and quiet Javi is. So he's not just he's short, yes, he's he doesn't talk much, yes, but there's there, there's this firmness about him in terms of how stubborn he can be, how firm he can be. So does he have the backing of the um President, the manager, do all these things. Yes, he does. Does he have enough solid talent coming in to say, okay, I have a wiggle room, I can you know work with this talent and then bring in people when comes someone that will help me? Yes, it does. So I think it will last. And the truth is, anyway. I even read. I was even shocked that they were not in place before. Because if you go and look at any manager that is succeeding in the world, anywhere in the world now, the contest of the world, the peps, the clubs, they all have some of those secret rules that will make sure that this team does well. Maybe it's a bonding rule to help the players, you know, just become more familiar with themselves, what they like. Maybe it's a weight rule. The weight rule is very important, you know, body fat, stuff like that. Maybe it's a training rule. Look at, we, they, we played Bayern Munich. All their players, they, it's, like, it's, it's like they were, they, they were, they were playing against our elder brothers. So when you're playing against your elder brothers, they are strong, they are muzzled, they are faster, they are bigger. There's nothing we could do that day. Like it was evident. And it was not as maybe they're much taller than us. A few of them were taller than us, but all of them were just just stronger. Like you could see their muscles. But our own players, you'll be seeing almost they'll be they'll be showing you flashes of uh pot belly close to my own. So it, 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 they actually need to train, they actually need to be fitter. Bullish has gone through a lot. And so that it is a case of strength and condition. It's a case of you know people not doing the number, you know, weightlifting. So it is a I think considering where we are coming from and where we are trying to go to, I think you'll be supported to you know implement some of those things. And the president is like there as an assistant of supporting people to do stuff like that. Um I don't know if this is my I don't know whether I eyes they pay me or not, but I can say Major has joined us. Mr. Bright, I'm but a lima hello, eh? Is this right? Anyway, uh, I don't know if. Let me. 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 Let Anyway, anybody has joined us at the very late time. We'll probably express his feelings about my United another day. Um, Kuli, obviously, like, um, in La Liga, Real Madrid at top, Barcelona has six points away from top four, so they're able to play for the Spanish La Liga. Real Madrid looked like, okay, but that, right, 
the title is there so far to lose. Let's come at it. I've not found their feet this season. Over in Syria, uh, the game. Al- I don't know. Ancelotti initial Napoli. I don't know if you saw the game between Inter and Napoli. Like proper proper football game. Like you have to feel for Napoli losing Osimhen to injuries and stuff. Like it could have been an entirely different game. Only God knows. But end to end stuff. Inter obviously knew that losing that game meant that they were going to be out of the title race. It, it would just be Napoli and Milan. But the fact that now uh, Milan lost to Fiorentina on Saturday, they be- defeated Napoli on Sunday shows that okay, this is going down to the way. This is probably going to be like a three or three. Yeah, and it's very interesting to watch. And one thing I worry for Napoli is that it's not just that game because Osimhen will be out for two months. Like, how did it? How did it deal with that? And for Inter, I think you have to give Inter and Simone Zag in particular serious credit because uh, after the work he did as um, Lazio, Lazio, and getting into Inter was also an upgrade and also a reward for his efforts. And then by the time came in, it was like um, Inter were broke. And Lukaku, Lukaku was going to go. Hakimi was going to go. So they have to bring in Jekyll and Chanul. And now he's he's, he's mended the team with his own image despite those setbacks. And they found that they started slow, but they've come. They've found their way back into the title race. And the funny thing is, that it feels like Milan is mirroring Napoli's results because two weeks ago Napoli drew one one, and Milan did the same thing with Inter one one. Then Napoli lost three two. Milan lost four three. They are both they are dead locked on points and the number of wins, number of draws, and very, very interesting to see how this going to enter are definitely catching up at this time. Um obviously still in Italy, we also the drama that happened between Mourinho and uh, and General yesterday. They had an 18-year-old to come and for a brace to get the win. And rightfully so, because they had COVID and injury issues to battle. Mourinho was brave enough to go with the Ghanaian teenager and he got rewarded for it. I'm not sure Roma will consider themselves title contenders, but clearly, at least to just probably hang around and see where it leads them. Yeah, and most importantly, they've stemmed the tide. Because at some point, it look like we are getting the Mourinho experience already. Because we started the year, they lost 6 1 to the Europa Conference League team. Then we had that uh, Iman Zanilo fought in training. Something has happened again. And so on. So you got. The, and uh, yeah, I think he has said that. Um, of all the players, only Peregrino wants to work for him, that the rest are rubbish. And and this is setting groundwork for typical Mourinho review. So this win is very important. Especially the one that they want comfortably with the depleted squad again. Yeah. Anyway, um over to Jamie. Bright, so when I saw the result that Ausgore beats Bayern, I was like, okay, what's going on here? Then Dortmund won and looked like, oh, wow, wow, it's just five points between the both of them. There's going to be a title race in the Bundesliga. At the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't think there's going to be a title race. <laughs> title race oh, maybe I'm just being naive or something. But is, it, is this like a one-off for Bayern or do you expect, well, by next week, smooth sailing? Back to that, I, I, I don't think, I, that is just like a bump in the road for Bayern. It happens every season where one weird team, I think, was it last two seasons that a team from relegation had whipped them like three zero or so? So mm-hmm. it's just it's just it's just like um, a bump in the road for Bayern. And it always happens in the league where uh, they go off rail for a couple games, and all of a sudden the motivation comes from nowhere and they begin to win again. So I, I really don't. I, I really wasn't expecting them to have a flawless season, and that that was just one of those days where. 
they were they weren't getting hundred percent in the office. So I really don't see <laughs> with with um, uh, with Dortmund probably still going to lose Alan for a couple more weeks. <laughs> I, I don't think they are, they have a shot at the title. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to stick with Brett for a long time. I'm sure you saw the incidents like the game yesterday. I'm obviously I don't even, I even dive into the game proper between the Detroit Pistons and the Lakers because for the Lakers <laughs> to struggle so much to beat the Detroit Pistons, they're not competing for a title. They're not competing. Mm-hmm. For, the only thing they're competing mm-hmm. for at this point in time is the biggest disappointment. But the obviously the biggest incident in the game, the talking points from that game was the fact that was the incident that happened in Le- LeBron where LeBron. I saw the game. I saw the video. I think he wanted to punch at um, the Detroit Pistons player. But I don't think he meant to punch him in the eye. When the tussle for okay, the rebound tussle and LeBron get frustrated and he punched that at the guy. I think it was LeBron was very unlucky to hit him in the eye. It wasn't an intention of oh look at this guy's eye here, his face. So yeah, then cool as he followed you. That was how I saw it. And now there's some people saying oh LeBron is dirty, blah blah blah. I don't think it's that bad. And to be honest, like the reports have said today, he wanted to apologize. But that guy, Omo, that guy wasn't having it at all. At some point, they held it like five blood was not going to be slack. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, it was running and everything. It was like, ah, I'm coming back. The whole team will turn around the stadium. Like, what's going on here? So now, like, do you think the league should suspend LeBron for what happened, Bright? Or no, I, 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 feel, I, I feel in the spirit of fairness, they should both be suspended. But... As I asked, he wants to keep like three levels further, almost like almost like he has always had a vendetta against LeBron. Like, he wore a boy, Muma, and cheat fuck up, really. <laughs> so, yes, it was true that LeBron wanted to shove him because he yeah. was all he was all upon the LeBron all through the game. LeBron wanted to shove him, but he didn't really mean to whack him in the face like that. Sure you get. Because if, even before the altercation got wild, LeBron was trying to apologize. Alayima, no, I know I shocked him. But he was just, he was out for blood. And the most painful part was, Lakers were terrible in that game. And the Pistons are not people that Lakers struggle against. The Pistons are the worst team in the NBA. And the, and Bullish, the Lakers cannot even beat them. You understand? The Lakers cannot beat the Pistons who don't have any business winning a game. They don't want to win. It's not, it's not an issue of, oh, let's even try. The Pistons have no business winning. They don't want to win. And at some point yesterday, they look like prime Golden States. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I think, you know, when we all knew the risk of assembling a team with a lot of old that. Meanwhile, you need to build chemistry for the season. You need to build, you know, rapport within yourselves. You need to build habits that you, you know will translate into the player. So what Lakers are suffering is they have a lot of people who are supposed to be on the floor who are not on the floor. You who are on the floor are not the good, the best fit for them. Ross usually takes about three to four months to, you know, fit into a system and try to be more mm-hmm. efficient than when he gets here. It happened in Wizard, it happened in, uh, in uh, Houston. So, so, I think Lakers almost, like, find it difficult to even get close to winning, you know, the Pistons. It's just, it's just a case of them, Alain Bears ringing that, um, where is the trade deadline? 
what can we do? But, Who are we sending? But police, let me interrupt you. Like, don't you think it's a problem of coaching as well? Because when they won the title in 2020, a lot of people forget that even before that, before they got to the bubble and everything, that season the Lakers were the best team in the NBA before that bubble. During regular season, they were the number one defensive team. They were solid. They had Lionel Hollins, Jason Kidd supporting Frank Vogel. But now those guys are gone. It's just Frank Vogel and some other guys. And since those guys have, it feels like Frank Vogel has been exposed. At what point do they look at it and be like, maybe we need to try another coach and see? Because coaching matters. Well, Monty Williams are sure that coaching matters. No, I, 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 no, it's only a food that will not that will underestimate the, the impact of coaching, especially in the NBA. Now, the reason why they will give they will continue to give um, Vogel some sort of leeway is because obviously I've won a championship before. So I think what they probably need to do, and I'll, I'll make a reference here, what they probably need to do is go out and recruit. See, Jason Kidd is not only the offensive specialist that can work with the point guard and you know set up the team and set up plays and make things better. There are so many guys that can do that. You know, so many ex-players, so many assistant coaches in other, in other you know, uh, clubs that can come in and give you that offensive experience. Look at the Golden State Warriors, which run upper and then my ground. You can see the, the the extra effort in defense, the switching, the way they move. You can see that. Oh, and sorry, Ken Atkinson. You can see the input from those guys on the squad. You can see it. So, Yes, Steve Kerr will always be Steve Kerr. You know, his abilities will always be there. His, you know, abilities, draw, plays, all that stuff, run the system. But still, you need those, you know, other guys that will work with, team, with different players individually, shoot around with them, show them the plays they are, they are not seeing, make things easier for them. So it's a case for Rob Palinka to, you know, who is out there? Who can, what can we do? Because the last thing, we need is for the Lakers not to, to be playing the plane again. Well, yeah, I don't mind them playing the plane, but that's last that's 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 the last thing we need them to be doing again. We want them, you know, we want them to go far, we want them to get to the Western Conference finals. Do you understand? Well, that mm-hmm. is the kind of stage we want them to get to. We kind of talent they have. We have Ross, AD, Westbrook. You should get to the Western Conference final, you know, make it tough for whoever is going to come out of the West, make it tough for the Golden State Warriors. We want a we want competition. Anyway, um, quickly, just before we call it quits, um, the NFL is overreaction Monday as usual. Like, I, I don't know, but I'm talking about the biggest, the game of the weekend for me has to be the Chargers and the Steelers, whereby it was just a proper NFL game, whereby, like, one way or the other, the Chargers found a way to win. At some point, they looked like they were going to mow the Steelers, but the Steelers found a way back. Then, the shocking results for me at the beginning of the weekend came when we saw the Philadelphia Eagles running riots against New Orleans Saints and we're like, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. What? Like, what is going on here? The Saints are perennial contenders, obviously. Um, uh, Jamie Houston is out for the season, but not to the point where you're losing to the Eagles. The Eagles can't even beat themselves. They can't even beat the Cowboys in their own division. Yeah, but my I think the, my interesting game I picked out this was the Cowboys against Chiefs. The Chiefs. Where it looked like, as in, because at the start of the season, it looked like the Chiefs were going... They were going south, and they've they've picked themselves up, and basically they're in the top three of their of their conference right now. And and the irony is that, and also at the beginning of the season, everybody thought, okay, once again the Cowboys won't they won't be up too much. And they started the season six one. They're like, okay, oh, it's something changing here. Yeah. But the past two matches have shown us that no, 
that's is the that it looks like the falls down like just just move on and the thing is that Amari Cooper is or is of Umbia to be available on Thursday. So, same thing with Sid Lamb. So those are that basically their biggest assets in the team. And the, the funny part about the game against the Chiefs was that uh, the Chiefs' defense actually won them that game, not much yeah, which, 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 which is, which is well, very, very strange. Because the Chiefs have been, have been terrible this season. Mm-hmm. Especially defense five mm-hmm. the defense fighting. This has been so horrible. And suddenly, and they look and they look like they, yeah, suddenly, ah, it, was, it, it was prime work for them once again. And which, which is a problem for Dallas. Because they started the season well. Honestly, but is he and we also have to give credit to the Chiefs and and Steve Spagnuolo because the defense look like something something is molding back once more. Wow! Because at the start, the last thing he wants is Chiefs with a good defense, and then Mahomes back on back on song again. But the moment that thing gets, everyone else is in trouble. No matter what, no matter how good others have started, everyone else is in trouble. Wow. Um, anyway, I'm afraid that's all we can take for tonight. Like, it was an emergency one. Thank you so much, guys, for being here. Even-